Recently, a friend wrote to me to ask me about the mark of the beast mentioned in the book of Revelation. Her particular interest was whether or not those who receive the mark can still be saved. That's a good question and we'll tackle it on this episode of Wisdom 828, dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. Who are you who are so wise? Now, Revelation falls into that genre of literature called apocalyptic, which uh, heavily uses symbols and visions and poetry and metaphor and illusion. Uh, by John's admission, Revelation is also prophetic. So John's book stands in a unique position among biblical genre consisting of you know, epistles, uh, letters that are sent to the seven uh, churches in Asia Minor, apocalyptic and prophetic writing. The book has a kind of Tolkien type of panorama and fantasy. Uh, the unreality of the symbols and the constant shifting from one mysterious scene to another, it can be confusing. And therefore, interpreting Revelation demands caution when speaking with authority. The usual reason for writing apocalyptic literature, by the way, was to reveal something that was previously hidden, and especially for John's original audience to encourage the church that was experiencing persecution in its day. If the date of John's writing of Revelation was during the uh, 90s AD, then the book helps those Christians in Asia Minor where those seven letters were sent to be strong in the face of the persecution of the Roman Emperor Domitian, who died in AD 96. The mention of the mark of the beast is found in six places in Revelation. Revelation 13, 14, 15, 16, 19, and 20. The most important passages, though, seem to come from uh, Revelation 13 and 14. Now, no doubt, the interpretive framework that one takes in interpreting the book of Revelation will determine the outcome at which you arrive. Now, there's been basically four ways that, over the history of the church, that Revelation has been interpreted. Uh, the first is called the historicist view, which takes that, uh, the order of John's visions as symbols of the chronologic order of the history of events from the apostolic church to the return of Christ. The second view is called futurism, and this view treats the order of the visions as applied to 21st century readers only. It used to be applied to 20th century readers, but you know, here we are. But the important thing about this view is that since uh, what John uh, saw and his readers understood wasn't applicable in their day, then they would have had no idea what that book was about after chapter 3. For them, it was a closed book, closed to understanding, and that just seems highly unlikely to me. The third view is called the preterist view, and that word is from Latin, meaning the thing is past. So in this way, the fulfillment of most of Revelation's uh, visions uh, uh, already occurred in the distant past during the early days of the church. Now, the last is called the ideal view that says the visions symbolized the conflict between Christ and his church against uh, Satan and his evil conspirators. The time span is from the apostolic age to the time of Christ's return. Now, I said there were four views, but actually uh, uh, there is a fifth view that sort of mixes them all together, combining the various positions, saying that many of the events, uh, events have both present and future fulfillments. Now, just as there are many schemes of interpretation, and I don't mean that in any negative way, there are many positions on the millennium. There's the premillennial position, the classic premillennial position, the post-tribulation 
premillennial position and the postmillennial position and the amillennial position. Now add to that the positions of the rapture, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation. And then there's that one uh, humorous position, the pan-millennial, pan-trib position that says everything's going to pan out in the end anyway. Now, to our question, what is the mark of the beast, and, and can a person who receives the mark of the beast be saved? Well, here's what I found from commentators that I trust. Most of them agree that those who take the mark of the beast will suffer eternal punishment, tormented with fire and sulfur forever and ever, having no rest day or night because they worship the beast and its image. That's from uh, Revelation 14, 10 and 11. There appears to be a progression toward that destiny for those who receive the mark from the time they received it uh, and the reasons for receiving it and what happens to them concerning their eternal destiny. Now, we can't say that it's strictly chronological, but it does appear that John wants to emphasize and, and give us a sense of the danger of anyone receiving this mark. The first reference is in Revelation 13 that mentions the second beast that arises out of the earth. This beast has two horns like a lamb, but he speaks like a dragon. In other words, he looks tame, he looks meek and humble, but he has cruelty on his mind and in his heart. The role of the second beast is to bring people to worship this first beast who appears uh, in the first 10 verses of that chapter. That, uh, the means that the second beast uses to get the world to worship the first beast uh, are by deception and coercion. The beast has power to perform miracles. He displays a false religious power set to amaze the populations and exert a kind of economic penalty on those who don't worship the first beast, implying that no one will be able to buy necessary goods for living and ultimately threatens with death any person who refuses the mark. So this is like a three-pronged use of demonic power to bring about, as one commentator said, the capitulation of mankind to the worship of secular power. It is universal. It is the universal victory of humanism. Some uh, form of worship or allegiance to that beast will be required to receive that mark and its benefits. And also of note is that the mark will be related to a number, that is 666, which actually stands for whatever the name of the Antichrist is. If we look back at chapter 7, verse 3, and chapter uh, 9, verse 4, God also has a mark for his people, a seal on their foreheads that keeps them from being harmed by uh, God's wrath. It might remind us of the blood of the doorposts of the Exodus generation who were passed over uh, that night of the, the death angel when he visited Egypt. The mark of the lamb's blood over the doorpost meant that the family would be spared the judgment that came that night and delivered them the next day. Now, one thing I think we can surely say is that there are two kinds of people in the world, those who belong to God, marked by his character, and those who belong to the beast, marked by his. Ultimate allegiance only goes in one of two directions. Also notice that another chilling difference between these two groups is that there are those whose names don't appear in the Lamb's Book of Life. Those who have given their allegiance to Christ are written in that book of life. And those who have given their allegiance to the beast, they're not in the book. And you can read about that in chapters 3 and 20. The bottom line for those who receive the mark of the beast is that they are 
willing and willingly give their allegiance to the beast for temporal and temporary security rather than to God for eternal happiness. The second important text is from Revelation 14. This is the most ex extensive comment on those who take the mark of the beast. And I admit, at first reading it, the section, it did leave open the possibility uh, that some who took the mark uh, could, be, uh, could later on turn to God in repentance. Yet every commentator I read either said flatly no, or at least they leaned in that direction of concluding that repentance would not be likely for them. So let's look at the reasoning here. In this passage, we see three angels making three proclamations to the people living at that time. The first one calls the nations to repentance in verse 7. John calls this the preaching of an eternal gospel. The angels actually command to fear God and worship him because judgment is coming. Now, one commentator believes that this is an emphasis uh, on judgment not on a call to repentance. It has to do with the way the Greek word for gospel appears, and since my Greek is not all that good, I can only take his word for it. If that is the case, the message is a declaration from heaven that the eternal gospel is being proclaimed, and all who hear it are accountable for what they hear. The message itself talks about God as creator, which underscores a similar argument by Paul in Romans chapter 1, namely that humanity is without excuse before God because nature itself declares the power and majesty of God. So then, the angel is speaking here to the unregenerate multitudes, uh, the, the majority of which are not expected to respond favorably to the gospel announcement, making the angel really a, a messenger of wrath rather than of grace. It is in this way that the gospel also pronounces judgment for those who disobey its call to repent and to believe in Christ. Now, the second angel uh, pronounces the fall of Babylon, Israel's greatest enemy and persecutor. All of the nations have drunk the wine of Babylon, which has resulted in a passionate immorality and injustice with her system of the world and domination of the world in that system. The question is whether or not the command of verse 6 is expected to result in a genuine conversion or if it's a compulsory edict for antagonistic humanity, signifying that they will be forced to acknowledge the reality of God's imminent judgment, uh, just like we see in, in Philippians 2, where one day every knee will bow to Jesus and every tongue confess him as Lord, regardless of their willingness. Now, the third angel is where we see that those who have the mark of the beast, are obstinate in their rejection of the love of God in Christ. They remain steadfast in their unrepentant states. They don't give glory to God. And as a result, they receive God's judicial declaration of eternal punishment. One writer said, Babylon so infected the nations as to render them incapable of heeding the first angel's declaration of the gospel. Fallen, fallen is Babylon. It derives from Isaiah 21, where it is the equivalent of the statement that the idols of Babylon are completely destroyed. The destruction of the idolatrous system of the world is in mind here, he said. Because John's audience is the persecuted church, I don't believe he is outlining the chronologic sequence of the final events of world history. Rather, I believe he is stressing the more important point of how to avoid the mark of the beast as a sign of allegiance to the world system. 
He wants to encourage the beleaguered Christians in his day to patiently endure the hostility and hatred of the world. It's far better, John might say, echoing Jesus, to enter into heaven with one eye or one hand in allegiance to Jesus than to enter hell because allegiance to the beast spared your hand and your eye. This encouragement is needed even today. Increasingly, Christians are being marginalized in our culture, not to mention thousands killed and persecuted around the world. We see growing hostility to the traditional moral teachings of the church on marriage, human sexuality, and the sanctity of life from womb to tomb. And what we are witnessing is an, uh, is an assault against the truth and wisdom of God in his design for creation. Finally, in Revelation 19:20 and 20 verse 4, we see John contrast two ways to live resulting in two ways to enter e eternity. 19:20 says, and the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who is who its presence had done in his presence had done signs and wonders which deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And then the other in 20 verse 4 says, Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Throughout the book of Revelation, John emphasizes the difference between the followers of the beast and the followers of Jesus. Bruce Metzger, in his book, Breaking the Code, Understanding the Book of Revelation, writes this. The profound religious insight that lies behind these kaleidoscopic pictures is that men and women are so constituted as to worship some absolute power, and if they do not worship the true and real power behind the universe, they will construct a god for themselves and will give allegiance to that. In the last analysis, it is always a choice between the power that operates through inflicting suffering, that is the power of the beast, and the power that operates through accepting suffering, namely the power of the lamb. The book of Revelation can be a difficult read, but God's promise isn't to bless us because we understand it, but because we read it. Right at the beginning of the book, John says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So ours is not to determine the identity of the beast or the dragon or the time of the rapture or the exact time of Jesus' return. Ours is simply to read the book of Revelation. Read it out loud. Listen to someone else reading it. And be blessed by what you hear. Because what you hear is how Christ has defeated and will completely vanquish our greatest enemies, Satan, the world, death, and hell, and how all creation is renewed through Christ so that what God intended from the beginning at the garden is now the way things will be forever. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks to Steve Dyan behind the camera and who keeps the editing room going to make sure that Wisdom 828 stays on track to fulfill this mission and stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. You be of good cheer.